Hello and welcome to Paleo Cinema Podcast 265. My name is Terry Frost and yes, I've been selected. This is only the second Paleo Cinema of 2020 and I've really kind of got to get my act into gear. I've got a lot of other things happening. I've got the YouTube, I've got the radio, I've got live stuff happening. But I'm going to get my mojo back and keep the podcast going. But just to get me back into the swing of things, I'm going to fall back on Plan B. And the Plan B for this podcast is always, as many of you know, a movie music podcast. It's not all going to be movie music. It's going to be music that I've discovered in the last few months that I kind of really like. And because I am the kind of creature that I am, that music is usually quite fucking old. So there's going to be a lot of old music thrown at you. I'm going to start the podcast off, of course, with the contact details and then tell you a little bit about what I've been doing and what I've been watching. And then we're going to get into um, some really interesting sounds. Paleo Cinema Podcast is a podcast about old movies. There is one rule only. The movies have to be more than 20 years old. They can be any genre. I'm looking at classics, I'm looking at hidden gems, I'm looking at interesting films. So if you'd like to give feedback, that'd be great. The feedback can be done via email to feedbackpaleo at gmail.com. You can also friend me up on the Paleo Cinema Cafe on Facebook. Also, if you're an incredibly generous person, you can support the podcast via Patreon at patreon.com slash paleocinema. Just be aware that this podcast may involve adult concepts and a bit of swearing, so just don't listen to it on speaker when the kids are around. So how the hell has you been? Um, yeah, it's been interesting here. We went straight to droughts, from droughts to floods to coronavirus, so we're kind of used to tiny little bite-sized apocalypses happening here in Australia, and we're doing it with good humour. Uh, there are weird things happening, though. Fuck, there's weird things happening. Uh, there are people who are storming supermarkets to stock up on toilet paper, even though there's no shortage of it, and there's not really an issue. Some weird kind of mimetic plague has hit Australia, and people have got it in their heads that they need to have a shit tonne of toilet paper, and shit tonne is used there advisedly. So there are people having fights in... Um, supermarkets to grab bog roll there are people selling it for outrageous sums on gumtree and ebay there are a guy i saw some pictures of a guy starting a roadside stand selling toilet paper at inflated prices so basically everybody except you and me has gone fucking crazy in this world and it's about time that they put on their big person pants and just calm the fuck down um, you know, the Valium's easily available here, and if you've got a concession card, you can get it for five bucks. So, you know, they just need to take a chill pill and get a prescription for it if necessary, and just stop being dicks. Because um, leaving aside various natural events, which are caused to a certain extent by global warming, which is caused by people being dicks, um, we've got to stop being dicks. This shit's doing our heads in. Um, we should watch good movies. We should watch bad movies. We should be nice to other people. We should learn to make paella and other things that we don't know how to make at the moment. I can make a paella, so it's not really an issue for me. Um, risotto, I've nailed too. I mean, I'm really good with anything with rice in it. But one day I may learn how to poach an egg that doesn't look like it came out of a family planning clinic. But you've got to count your blessings, I suppose. Um, yeah, I haven't caught um, COVID-19 yet. Haven't even caught the previous 18. 
But um, from all the things I know, I'm going to be fairly okay with it. Yes, I've had some birthdays, but I don't have any conditions that are going to mean I'm going to have a particularly rough time if I catch it. Um, I don't mind two weeks of isolation. I mean, I've got a shit ton of movies in the to-be-watched pile. We've got a cupboard full of various groceries, We've most of which we've bought at Asian grocery stores. Um, we've got water. The only thing I'd really run short of is coffee beans, and you know, I suppose somebody could drone me some in if I asked them nicely. So it's not really worrying me. Uh, we've got some family members, Sal's family. Some of them are immune compromised and a couple of good friends of the podcast are as well. So those people, I don't want to get it. I want them to be okay. But if I get it, um, that'll be a fucking relief. Then you won't have to worry about getting it. And if people really wanted to make this a lot easier for everybody, you'd get a merit badge for getting COVID-19 and not being a dick when you've got it and spreading it to other people and all of that kind of thing. I think that, uh, yeah, that kind of recognition of merit would be a pretty nice thing for somebody to do. I wouldn't suggest it to our current government because unless you wear a necktie, you're a Freemason or a Pentecostal Christian and you're a guy and you vote liberal, you're not going to get anything out of those fuckers. I've just gone very kind of Barry Champlain at the start of this podcast, haven't I? I'm out of practice and I'm suddenly channeling eric bogosian in talk radio so um let's change the tone a little bit i'll let you know what i've been watching and part of that is the thing i did for the youtube channel where i repeated an act of insanity from about 18 22 months ago where i watched 12 movies in 24 hours now i don't recommend that you do this it really is a sport for trained professionals i've been in training for this shit since i saw my first movie in about 1962 so I've been kind of building up to it. I've been eating the right things. I've been you know, watching La for to get my short form in. I've been watching um, long movies to get my long form in. And I watched tw- um, 12 movies in 24 hours. And I'll tell you, it ain't as easy as it sounds. Um, I'll, I'll let you know what I watched. I watched Tokyo Story, The Happiness of the Katakuris, Build a Jour, Diabolique, I watched Wuxia with Donnie Yen in it. I watched John Cassavetti's first feature film, Shadows. Then I watched Space Battleship Yamata, the live-action version of that, and Space Pirate Captain Harlock, which is a um, computer-generated one, but not too bad. I watched a German film called Snowflake, so thank you very much, Armand, for sending me that. I watched an Australian movie, Swinging Safari, which is not good. Uh, Then I watched Dario Argento's Dracula 3D, and Curse of the Doll People. Uh, so, yeah, I got through the 24 hours successfully and then crashed and uh, got a video out of it, so that's good. It was a content creation exercise as much as anything else. And this time I was a bit smarter by putting the good movies at the front end and the not-so-good movies at the back end. So that way, when my attention span was about you know, three and a half seconds, it didn't matter that much because the movies I was watching, I wasn't missing out on anything by watching them. But Tokyo Story, fucking see it if you haven't. I'm going to talk about it in a future podcast. But if you haven't seen Ozu's Tokyo Story, the whole lot of it's on YouTube with English subtitles, so you've got no excuse not to watch it. And you can thank me later. It's a monumental piece of cinema from 1953. And it's one of those ones that, without any exaggeration at all, is unforgettable. It really... words are going to have to suffice of course but um yeah it's it's a movie that 
profoundly affected me, let's say, and it kind of put me on a bit of a course to watch much more Asian cinema, which will inevitably delight Grant Watson because of all the people I know, he's the biggest advocate of East Asian cinema and people in English-speaking countries watching more of it and appreciating more of it and loving it as much as he does. In fact, Grant's currently in Osaka for the Osaka Film Festival, and I envy him that. So anyway, I got on this kind of course of East Asian cinema, and it took me to some interesting places. I did watch Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, and I appreciated it. Um, I think it deserved everything it got. It was a lot of fun to watch in the sense that I didn't know where it was going. The cinematography was fantastic. Of course, it went to dark places and it talked about a lot of issues that are very important at the moment. Class and um, the myth of people bootstrapping themselves into greater wealth and all that kind of stuff. It really did kick the zeitgeist in the balls. And I like it and I want to see what um, Bong Joon-ho does next and I want to be able to see it today. And I did that for ABC Radio and uh, both Rebecca and I enjoyed it. Then uh, I saw My Neighbour Totoro, which I also did for the radio. And, of course, we all know about Totoro. We all know about Studio Ghibli. And we know about Miyazaki's work and how great it is. So I watched that. Let me have another pick at the Letterboxd. Um, I saw a thing called Jexy, which is on, I think, Amazon Prime, which stars Adam Devine, and it's not very good. It's kind of like Her, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix in it, but dumbed down. So I watched that, and I don't recommend it one tiny fucking bit. Um, I saw Clue, the 1985 Clue. I rewatched that, and that was a bit of fun. I knew all the jokes, but I really appreciate the kind of farcical fast pace of it uh it's got some great ensemble acting in it as well with people like eileen brennan and of course tim curry and a bunch of others are uh, let's see who was michael mckean's in there uh yeah it, it's it was good to revisit that one apparently they're remaking it but they say that every couple of years anyway so we'll ignore that uh i watched jojo rabbit and talked about it on the radio as well um i'm kind of conflicted about jojo rabbit i'm not sure that um goofy hitler is something that in these times we need to have. Having said that, I think that there are other aspects of the movie that are great, and there are a couple of scenes there that are brilliant, and Taika Waititi is definitely a director who has command of his craft. Uh, but the the comedy Hitler thing is not something I was particularly fond of within that realm, uh, but I did like a lot of the acting. Rock, Sam Rockwell was great. Scarlett Johansson was great, and the kids in it were great. Rebel Wilson was shit, but, um, yeah, that's how it goes. I then revisited R.I.P.D. with Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds in it from about a decade ago. And, yeah, it was okay. It was not as bad as people made it out to be. Um, People have compared it to Ghostbusters, but I think in some ways it's a slightly different film. But it's very kind of methodical and by the numbers in some ways, but I kind of liked it in spite of that. Then I went to um, an intellectual property, of which I am very fond and have been for a number of decades, Um, a book series about a private eye called Spencer, written originally by Robert B. Parker before he um, had a heart attack in his writing room and died from it, and things were taken over by another writer. And that is the Netflix film Spencer Confidential, with 
um, Marky Mark in it, Mark Wahlberg. They totally fucked the character. They um, didn't read the fucking books, basically. Uh, Spencer's a very different character than you're going to get in that movie. And anybody who likes the franchise, and I know Davey Mack there in Texas, with whom I correspond occasionally, is a big Spencer fan. And he's not going to watch the um, movie because of that. I recommended that, you know, dip into it for five minutes and then throw up and go away. But, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Spencer at all, Spencer Confidential isn't for you. If you just want a meathead action film and you don't know the intellectual property, then maybe you can get through it. And the other thing I've watched, before I talk about the biggest thing I've watched, is I rewatched Paint Your Wagon because any movie with singing Lee Marvin in it is good. And this one is good too. And I also love Half Presnell singing They Call the Wind Mariah. Um, that's my jam in a lot of ways. I really like it. And it's interesting, we're watching it this time. There's a lot of guys talking about their emotions in this one, which is kind of cool. And it makes it, in a weird way, very contemporary. Um, it's not guys hiding their emotions, but it's actually guys having a bromance, apart from the uh, menage a trois with Gene Seberg's character. That um, the that Ben Rumson has with partner played by Clint Eastwood, singing Clint Eastwood I can kind of take or leave, but singing Lee Marvin I liked. Um, it was an enormous flop of a movie, but it's one of those movies that's big and brash and unashamedly what it is. And for me, Paint Your Wagon works. I like it, and I will fight you on it. And then I went somewhere interesting. Um, you know how sometimes you approach movies from an odd direction. And even movie series, in this case, it's a movie series of 50 movies. And I came to it from a slightly oblique direction. One of my favorite YouTube food channels is called Tabiates. T-A-B-I-E-A-T-S. And it's um, a channel by two, a gay Japanese couple called Shinichi and Satoshi. And they do food vlogging and things like that. And they went to a town, or a kind of outer suburb of Tokyo called Shibamata. And there's this weird statue of Shibamata, which honours a character called Torasan, who appeared in 50 movies, all about the same character, all starring the same actor between 1969 and about 1996, when the actor died. And the town is where Torasan is from. And so they've got a statue of him in the town, just outside the train station. And there's a museum to the character. There's a museum to the director of the series. And there are a whole bunch of merch places around regarding Torasan. And then I kind of dug into it, as you do, because I'm a naturally curious bent. And I started finding out more about Torasan. I found copies of all but the last of the movies. And I started diving into it and just finding this charming, wonderful, beautiful little series. Well, not a little series, a fucking big series about an itinerant peddler in Japan in the, between the 60s and the 90s who has a family, but he wanders around different prefectures in Japan selling his wares. Inevitably, in each movie, he comes back to Shibamata, he falls in love with a beautiful woman who eventually friend zones him and he gets embarrassed by that and then he wanders off again it's incredible comfort viewing I did my last YouTube video about Torosan and I tried to kind of do my best to convey the 
comfortableness of it and in the kind of way it, it wraps around you like a blanket when you've watched a few of them. And the way it explains Japanese culture, the way it's um, funny, it doesn't need villains to be funny. Um, and the weird thing is that this haphazard, boorish character is an agent of kind of of order rather than chaos. He, you know, he's drunk, he's abusive to people at times. He apologizes when he's made mistakes once they, he becomes aware of them. He tries to be a better man all the time and he actually helps everybody else around him. And he's a unique character in, to my mind in cinema. And I kind of fell in love with it. I've watched four of the movies so far and I don't want to do them all. Um, the Torrance movies for me are like that big box of chocolates where you like every flavor in the box of chocolates. But you're only eating a few at the time because you know you can't get another one of the same box of chocolates. And you want them to last as long as possible. So that's what I'm doing with the Torosan movies. Um, I may, if I get when I go back to Japan, I can't say if I'm going to go when I go back to Japan. I'm going to Shibamata and to Torosan's statue and to Torosan's museum because I found this enormous body of work, mostly with the same director, all with the same actors. And you see the actors age from like the 60s to the 90s during this movie series, and it's just magical and wonderful and I learned a lot watching it and I think the biggest gift it gave me is to give me the knowledge and proof that it doesn't matter how much you think you know about movies doesn't matter how many movies you see you can walk around a corner unexpectedly watching something totally unrelated to movies really and find out that there's a whole new world out there of movies that you haven't seen um, uh, that are your jam, not in spite of the fact that you haven't seen them. And it really did refresh my love of cinema in a lot of ways, and I just love the fact that um, I keep getting these gifts of movies I haven't seen or series I haven't seen, and the world just keeps delivering in a weird way. And, of course, our increased accessibility to find these things uh, is a really useful tool. I found out about Torres and I started downloading torrents of it because they're not available in English. The, the movie series are even hard to get in Japan. They were um, streamed on a streaming service a few years ago, but I did find one and I've downloaded them. I found them and I treasure them now. And that's what happened. Um, so anyway, I'm going to start the music now. What will I start with? I've got a playlist I put together of things that I shazammed and found in other ways and listened to and already knew about them to some extent, but I'm kind of messing around. Every time I hear something on the car radio, and we've got a few good radio stations here in Melbourne that do eclectic work, and you know, you kind of pull over, hit the shazam on the phone, and just find new music. Yeah, I think I'll start with something familiar. Uh, this one I heard again on the radio when I was going out to buy fish and chips the other day. Uh, it was a kind of cheat night, so we went and got fish and chips for dinner. And I just kind of hit scan on the FM tuner on the car. And this came up on the radio. And I like it. And I've liked it for a number of years. I liked it when I first heard it way back when. And it is Sandy Shaw's Monsieur Dupont. I flew out of town and 
Nothing like a good bit of 1960s pop music. And to combine that with something contemporary to it, pretty much. Here's the theme from one of my childhood favourite TV shows. When you find yourself in danger, when you're threatened by a stranger, when it looks like you will take a licking, <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Dread if you're afraid, you'll have to overlook it. Besides, you knew the job was dangerous when you took it. He will drink his super sauce and throw the bad guys for a loss And he will bring them in alive and kicking <laughs> There is one thing you should learn when there is no one else to turn to Call the super chicken Call the super chicken I love super chicken Anyway, time to move on uh, I'm doing a Laverne Baker track next Which is a cover of a song sung by Bessie Smith And I kind of like this one because um, I had a pork shank, a pork hock the other day, I went to the big Asian grocery store down the road and ordered a couple of pork hocks because they're really cheap. And, you know, you can cook them in the oven. You slow cook them and they come up beautiful. And I ordered them and I ended. they said, kind of made gestures like they were going to score the skin 
on the chicken, on the, sorry, pork skin. And I went, yeah. So they took them out the back and suddenly there's this heavy industrial noise coming out the back. And they've actually sliced all of the pork hocks into slices about an inch and a half thick. And they cooked up much better that way. So I'm kind of pleased with that. But anyway, here is Laverne Baker with that wonderful Bessie Smith song, Give Me a Pig Foot. If that didn't wake you up, check your pulse. And now it's time for a commercial break. Why don't you try the new taste sensation plucked from King Neptune's depths and brimming with bovine goodness? When you wake up in the morning feeling RS, come on down to the canteen and try the marine flavoured dairy product, Captain Curd's Fish Milkshakes. Oh, jeez, that sounds all right. Remember, Curd's rhymes with birds. Walking with my baby, got a fist on my mind. 
In 27 different flavours. Smoked eel, curried prawn, mmm, Chinese, eh? Whale blubber, malted mullet, pickled porpoise. That sounds pretty exotic. Pork fat. Pork fat? That's not a fish milkshake. Yeah, I threw a random piece of Artie Jack in there, so sue me. Um, yeah, time to move on with some more music. Let me have a look at the little playlist I've got here. Do, do, do. Um, this one was a hit in Australia, and it was a hit because it was one of the few songs to appear in 1969 on the charts that pretty much anybody could sing along with. It was a piece of music that... Yeah, a drunken guy could sing along with it and not kind of make it sound too flat. And great virtue was seen in this because, you know, there were a lot of tiny Tims on the charts at the time and very few people could do kind of falsetto voices. But this one people could sing along with. They could sing along with it sober or drunk. They could sing along with it by themselves or in company. And it became a big hit only in Australia on the charts in 1969. Hello, 
Heaven is goodbye forever. It's time for me to go. I. fucking love that um lee marvin singing there's just such a great kind of tough guy wonderfulness <clears throat> to tough guys singing particularly tough guys who got shot in the ass at the battle of saipan as lee marvin did but yeah i mean i really like wandering star because anybody can fucking sing it it doesn't matter whether you've had a tracheotomy you can sing that song and that's pretty rare and pretty wonderful. And I don't care if he didn't hit the notes. He made them his own. So moving on to a Melbourne band. And I'm not sure if this... Now, apart from Bachelors of Prague, I don't know whether I've done a Melbourne band on the music podcast before. This is the Pearly Shells. And they are a Melbourne swing R&B and jazz band. And I like the song. I like the way they put it across. And I'm going to play it for you now. <laughs> Flowers in 
podcast keep getting better and while we're on up note jazz kind of thing happening here is the maples with 99 guys it's a bit of a rarity but it is cooler than liquid nitrogen just going to keep going with this because I'm enjoying it and it's time for something just a little bit different but kind of old as well and uh, yeah I think I'm going to go with this Sienda, 
parts of Mexico. Cactus lovelier than orchids Blooming in the patio Soft as its stars And the strum of guitars Make every evening seem so sweet In my adobe Hacienda Life and love are more complete In my adobe Hacienda That, of course, was Kenny Baker with My Adobe Hacienda. Um, yeah, it may have been a little tiniest bit of cultural appropriation there, but what the hell. Uh, let me just see what I want to play next because I've got a ton of shit here. Um, remember how at the beginning of the podcast I spoke about Torosan and the Torosan movies and how much I liked them and, and how they I'm going to kind of ease my way through them and not watch them all at once because that would take forever. Well, I'm going to play all of the soundtracks from all of the Taurus Sound movies, all 50 of them. This is going to take about 133 hours. So I hope you get buckled in there. No, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play the theme song from Torasan, from the first movie of the Torasan series. And the title of that particular movie and the title of the series ultimately is Otoko wa Surayo, which means it's tough being a man. And yes, I'm saying that and playing that and recording it on International Women's Day. But nonetheless, I'm going to play you the theme song from the Torasan movie series, just to give you a little bit of the feel of the series before you hunt down a few of the movies for yourself, if you're so inclined. Tai 
らは役者なりき分かっちゃいるんだ妹よいつかお前の喜ぶような偉いありきになりたくて There you go.、Um, if you go on YouTube, the thing is, there's such a love for this series in obscure parts of this clay and granite planet that there are people doing instrumental versions of the theme from the Torosa movie series on all sorts of weird and wonderful instruments and just kind of you know, showing the love that way.、Uh, it's, it's a weird phenomenon and it's very, very niche because I only just heard about it and I've usually got my finger on a number of pulses. But、um, yeah, I kind of like it. And they play that theme in variations in all of the movies, not necessarily in com- completely, but as a kind of motif, a late motif through the movie series. Time to move on for a bit of Broadway music. Now, this is from a musical that very few people know about, which is、uh, a musical from the late 1950s. Just let me get the details up here because there's a couple of interesting features about it. It's a musical called Plain and Fancy from the 1955 1956 Broadway season. And it doesn't start anybody you know, though the understudy for the person I'm going to be playing you a song from was actually B. Arthur. And the other thing about it is one of the people in the chorus was a 12 year old kid who grew up to be Scott Walker from the Walker Brothers and from the fantastic Jacques Brel albums. So that's kind of interesting. But、uh, the musical is kind of an、uh, unusual one. It was about a couple of New York sophisticates who end up、um, hanging out with Amish people in Pennsylvania. Now, this is a song sung by an actor called. In natural history, every he, when wanting a particular sea, Can always find a way 
The cricket chirps, the penguin struts, the monkey tosses coconuts, the bullfrog makes a noise like Bon Monroe. What's true of bird and beast and bee applies to people equally, except for my particular. Romeo, he may adore me. How would I know if I'm the light of his life? It doesn't show. I go through the motions, but I'm well aware it's a hell of a way to run a love affair. He doesn't tingle whenever we meet. Our love has all of the thrill of shredded wheat. We never run barefoot through each other's hair. It's a hell of a way to run a love affair. Some lucky lovers have a talent for romance. Hackensack can seem like Paris France. I have a true love. With a different kind of knack, he turns Paris into Hackensack. I'm not suggesting he isn't a one. He has a character like George Washington. But when will my Georgie cross the Delaware? It's a hell of a way to run a love affair. One enchanted evening in my quiet living room, candlelit and heavy with perfume. Love songs I played him that sent shivers down his spine, and he fell in love with Oscar Hammerstein. For no good reason I'm hanging around. There must be some other fish that can be found. But I'm stuck with the one I'm stuck on. C'est la guerre, my trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly square. It's a hell of a way to run. Cheryl Conway, uh, B. Arthur was her understudy, and it's called A Hell of a Way to Start a Love Affair, and it actually references a couple of things, including Vaughan Munro, who everybody now knows for singing Let It Snow at the end of the Die Hard movies. So I'm going to play it for you because it's kind of cute. It's one of those kind of cute musical numbers from a musical comedy, which I don't think gets enough love. Um, I kind of like it. Now I'm going to play you some German lounge music from the 1960s slash 1970s. Not sure exactly which. It's by Horst Jankowski, and it's called Pink Balloon. I kind of like it. Um, it's got an incredibly 70s style about it. You know, people smoking cigarettes on airplanes and drinking Campari and soda on the Côte d'Azur. That kind of vibe about it. And I, I kind of like it, so I'm going to play it for you now. Mm-hmm. 
And now it's time to finish off, and I'm going to finish off with a couple of tracks by Blossom Deary, um, who apparently wasn't a nice person, but I kind of like her singing. Um, she did a couple of gigs in Melbourne late in her career and um, was apparently very, very hard to deal with. But nonetheless, this is from an earlier time when maybe she had her shit together. Who knows? But anyway, I'm going to start out with Doodlin' Song and then follow it up with a cool track, which is cool by its very name, called I'm Hip. Why I flip, they're not 
Anyway, that's about it for this time around. I promise I'm going to be talking more about movies next time I do this podcast, which hopefully will be in a fortnight. Um, I've got a couple in mind I've really got to re-watch, so I've got to get my ass into gear and get that done. But there are a couple of really good films I want to kind of hip you to. Uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you to the Patreon supporters who are all uniformly wonderful and incredibly nice people and as usual i'm going to finish by honoring them with the credits to the podcast in the style of credits to movies so anyway look after yourselves watch some good movies watch some bad movies i am still pissed off that they're delaying the james bond film until november but there's not a hell of a lot i can do about it unless i kind of you know do some kind of mission impossible kind of attack on eon films which is not really likely. But on the bright side, there may be a possibility that within the next year, Sally and I might be going back to Japan. It just depends on a couple of things coming together. And we're kind of looking forward to that possibility. It came up totally unexpectedly, and I will tell you more about it in a future podcast as the details come together because it's a slightly unusual story. Nonetheless, um, I'm looking forward to that. So anyway, look after yourselves. Watch good films, watch bad films, watch any damn film you like that doesn't have Lucasfilms on the front of it. And I will be back very, very soon. Here are the credits. Take care of yourselves. Here are the credits for Paleo Cinema Podcast and Martian Driving Podcast, done in the style of movie credits to honour the people who support this podcast. Thank you to Tom, the focus puller, Sarah, the special effects technician, Ian, the caterer, Grant, the Technicolor Consultant, Claire, the script doctor, Gary, the prop master, Morris, the musical director, Jan, the dialect coach, Arm and our key grip, Matt, the rattlesnake wrangler, Elaine, our scientific advisor, Julia, our casting director, Chris, our camera operator, Christopher, our gaffer, Miss Jane, our wardrobe mistress, Tansy, our Foley artist, Alyssa, our location scout, Mark, our second unit director, Paul, our special makeup effects director, 
Tammy the Donut Wrangler, Tim, our New York Unit Director, Rabbi Steve, our Spiritual Advisor, uh, Steve Sullivan, our Director of Monster Effects, Dylan, our Goat Wrangler, Eric, our Set Security Lead, Richard H., our Set Photographer, Mark D., our Extra, and David L., our Extra, Kerry H., who is the Accountant. And our newest supporter, Gary J., who is a CG effects technician. So thank you very much to all of the supporters of the podcast. We really appreciate you dipping into your purses and helping out with the podcast.